Good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. This is Just Antoine, and I'm excited to let's get growing, man. This is day 15, and and God is so good, so good. And somebody said good all the time. And I'm just excited once again to be with you guys to um, experience this uh, quest for authentic manhood. We are in day 15, amen, and we're just keep on, we're going to keep on going, keep on moving um, because we desire for the Lord to do something um, spectacular in our lives because we realize we can't do this alone, um, and he knew we couldn't. He knew we couldn't. That's why he He left us uh, the comforter, uh, our guide, our, our, our Holy Spirit, um, so that we can manage this life so that we can, um, meet the standard, amen, um, that he has, um, set for us. And there's no other way to do that except we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, and then allow the Holy spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. And so that's what we are excited about. That's our expectation that God is going to do some exceptional things in our lives and, and use us um, for his glory, for his glory. When you realize that God is as good as he is and that he's in love with you, uh, it just changes your life. It just changes your perspective on life. And it, it, it causes you to ease up because He's just that good. He's 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 excellent. He's marvelous. I mean, I just can't praise him enough because of the things that he has done. And 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 it's not because I'm good or I've done everything right, but he's good. You know, before we we're about to get into our lesson, but um sometimes the enemy tries to um bamboozle us. Uh, he tries to hoodwink us. He tries to trick us to believing that we can't worship God. Well, we don't worship God based on how good we are. We worship God based on how good he is, right? So, so we can always worship him because he's always good, you know, and, and how can you praise the Lord be and, and you just did this or you just did that? Well, I'm not praising him because of what I did and how good I am. I'm praising him how good he is. Amen. And so we can always worship him and praise him because he's always good. He's always on his job. He's always um his thoughts toward us are always pleasant and never evil. And so let's give him praise. Let's worship him at all times. This is just Antoine. Let's begin into our lesson. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. Guys, we learned last week from Solomon that idolatry takes us down a road that just leads to dead ends. Solomon tried it all. Wealth, women, sex, excessive partying, excessive alcohol, buildings, accomplishments. And he concluded 
that everything he tried, all of his indulgences, just led to emptiness and vanity and the madness of chasing the wind. And if we're totally honest with ourselves, we can all relate, every one of us. Our hearts are idol factories. And if we're not getting in touch with our deep idols and understanding how they drive our behavior and our sin, we're just setting ourselves up to get caught in any number of manhood traps. Now, today, we're going to talk about fighting well. We can fight this fight. And today, we unveil the battle plan to help you deal with any idol or trap in your life. A big part of the abundant life is struggling well with the idols and traps we all face. We need this battle plan for every trap and every season of our life. In sessions one and two, we identified a common problem that has devastated men throughout history. Temptations and idols are issues for all of us. And guys, we need a solution. So how do we deal with the deep idols in our hearts and their outward manifestations in our behavior? Well, God gives some great guidance for that in His Word. And in this session, we're going to map out a biblical strategy for rooting idols out of our life. The first thing we need to understand is this. God is for us, not against us. He's for our ultimate fulfillment. Jesus says in John 10.10 that He came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. So God is not against the idea of desire or seeking pleasure and fulfillment. He actually created those things in us. Overcoming temptation and sin cannot be reduced to just self-denial and willpower. You can't put your enjoyment on the shelf. In fact, the essence of Scripture suggests that the key to overcoming temptation is not that you need to desire less, but rather you need to desire more. It's not that your desires are too strong and need to be dialed back. Actually, they're too weak and they need to be redirected. Colossians 3.2 tells us to set our minds on things that are above and not on the things of this world. C.S. Lewis addressed this issue directly in his famous essay, The Weight of Glory. He explained it this way. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, well, I submit that this notion is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea we are far too easily pleased. You know, we're like Solomon, who we learned about in session two, gravitating toward mud pies and broken cisterns, pleasures and experiences that seem fulfilling in the moment, but never ultimately satisfy our soul. The problem isn't desire. The problem is misplaced desires. 
We'll settle for fabricated images of women instead of pursuing a passionate sex life with our wife, which would be far more gratifying. We fixate on stockpiling wealth, but Jesus promised that we'd be far happier giving than getting. By the way, recent scientific research has confirmed it. We experience greater happiness when we spend money on others rather than on ourselves. Here's the point. God and His noble pathways are ultimately more lasting and more fulfilling than any alternative. Authentic manhood is not about being this stoic guy who doesn't know how to enjoy life. No, it's a life of truth, passion, and purpose. Our desires just need to be redirected because this life, the godly life, is ultimately far more satisfying than any idol will ever be. Hey, you know what's ironic? Let's say that you are only seeking your own satisfaction, just this what's-in-it-for-me kind of guy. If you were truly a hedonist, did you know that you would actually pursue the life of authentic manhood because that is the pathway to ultimate fulfillment? Here's another important truth to fight temptation and idols. You can't just remove an idol or, or a behavior from your life. You have to replace it with something else, something more satisfying and fulfilling. If you merely remove an idol, well, another one's going to pop up in its place. We see this in guys all the time. Some guys will give up the immaturity, the lust, and the pursuit of thrills from their 20s, and then they graduate into the idols of workaholism and materialism in their 30s. For some guys, after all those idols fail them, then they start pursuing power and influence in their 40s and 50s. And it's not because they've overcome immaturity and materialism. They've simply moved on to new idols. It's because our, our heart is like this factory of desire, and it's going to seek peace and fulfillment somewhere. We all long for satisfaction and a life of purpose and happiness. And that's not news to God because He created us like that. But He created us to find ultimate happiness and delight in Him. And then He also created these noble pathways that lead us to Him and meet our God-given desires. So our objective is to identify those pathways. Again, to effectively get rid of an idol, you can't just remove it. You have to replace it with something more satisfying. There's an old story the ancient Greeks used to tell that really illustrate the power of replacing idols. There were two ancient heroes, Ulysses and Jason. Each of them had to sail past the sirens on their respective adventures. The sirens were terrifying creatures who took the form of beautiful women and lured sailors to their island with their sensuous bodies and the hypnotizing beauty of their songs. Once the sailors arrived, the sirens would resume their true form and devour the sailors. Sound familiar? Too many of us are lured by sensuous images only to find ourselves on the brink of destruction. Ulysses and Jason both had to sail past the sirens. Both knew that they would face nearly irresistible temptation, but each adopted a totally different strategy to battle those temptations. You see, Ulysses wanted desperately to hear the siren song because it was so pleasing to the ear. But he knew that if he allowed himself and his crew to listen, 
its magical powers would overcome them and lure them to their death. So here's Ulysses' strategy. He poured wax in the crew's ears so that they couldn't hear the music, and he had them tie him to the mask of the ship. He told them no matter what he said or how much he screamed or ordered them to sail toward the sirens that they should ignore him and sell on. Jason, however, adopted a different strategy. When sailing past the sirens, Jason had a musician play beautiful music for him and for his crew so that the songs of the sirens were drowned out and so that the crew was captivated by something else. Both ships made it past the sirens but they adopted totally different approaches. Well, that story really illustrates the two different strategies that we can adopt to deal with temptation and idols. We can be like Ulysses. We can try to hold ourselves back or have others try and hold us back, while the whole time we're really longing for and desiring the pleasures of the world. Hey, in that system, life is just a bunch of don'ts, and we make God the fun killer. Don't look at that. Don't say that. Don't do that. Just clench your teeth and just say no a lot. Life is reduced to things that you don't get to do, but man, you really want to. Or we can follow the way of Jason. We can drown out the noise of temptation and idols by being captivated by God. His love for us. What He says about us. What He has for us. What He promises us. His his vision for us. Guys, it's true. We can be so satisfied by God and His noble pathways that the lies of idols pale in comparison. Here's how we can move toward that. We're going to take some insights from the Scriptures and offer a three-step process. I want you to think of it as our battle plan. So here are the three steps. First, admit the struggle. Second, identify the lie, and third, replace with the truth. Admit the struggle, identify the lie, and replace with the truth. Now, the first two steps will, will help us use the idolatry framework from session one. That's how you get to the heart of the issue. Admit and identify. And the last step, replace with the truth. That teaches you to rely upon Jesus' gift and follow His example. Let's go through each step. First of all, admit the struggle. So what manhood trap is currently manifesting itself in your life? Is it anger, lust, or greed? Is it materialism, anxiety, compulsive behavior? Is it emotional detachedness, maybe an addiction or bitterness, a chemical dependency? Is it discontentment, envy, or panic attacks, or depression? Now, guys, that's a long list, but that's not an exhaustive list. It could be something else for you. But regardless, the first step is always to own up to the fact that this external issue is causing problems and has maybe even become a, a surface idol in your life. Praise the Lord, guys. Um, you know, we, we realize that we have some issues, right? that that's undeniable hopefully in our in our lives we um but this thing is so profound what they're talking about is replacing it with god's love when you realize his vision for you when you realize 
how he's committed for your success, you know, it, it causes you to do right. Not because, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. No, because you realize he's just been that good. You know how when, when people are good to you, you just want to please them? That's how it is with God. He's, when you realize how good he is, you just want to please him. And then so you can replace that desire to do wrong, to do right, because you see God for who he is and what he's doing in your life. Let's listen further to this battle plan. The first step is to admit this reality to yourself and to God. You know, you just have to know where you are. And sometimes this is the hardest step for guys to take. Too often, we don't have an accurate picture of where we really are and what we, we're really struggling with. We think the issue is not a problem or it's not that bad. But to deal with it, you must first recognize it for what it is. Then, it's imperative that you be ruthlessly honest about your struggles with one or more trustworthy men. James 5.16 tells us, to confess our sins to one another. You know, there's real power in this because just saying the words helps us get a sense of how big the problem really is. And trustworthy men can offer an objective perspective. They can help us figure out how much help we really need and how to deal with the problem. Now, when we do this, <laughs> let's not fall prey to the 97% rule. That's where we're tempted to share only 97% of what's going on, but we hold back the worst and potentially most important 3%. You've got to be gut honest. And we've got to make sure that we choose trustworthy men. Men who love us and can pray for us. Men who are willing to walk with us through the struggle. It may be difficult or feel awkward at first, but there, there's going to be a sense of relief after we've gotten it off our chest. It's just exhausting wearing a mask all the time, pretending that life is great or struggle-free. But once we can recognize that we're all in this together and that none of us is perfect, we can remove the mask with trustworthy teammates and begin moving toward God's grace. All right, so guys, we're, we're, we're all dealing with some pretty heavy stuff here. And I think the key is that uh, we be real with one another, that we take off the mask and be vulnerable. Guys, the keys to be vulnerable, all right? So I'm going to start off. I'm going to share first. Be vulnerable. Okay. Here goes. I'm facing financial ruin. I'm broke. I'm in debt. And I can't pay my bills. My credit cards are maxed. Be vulnerable. I would love to be vulnerable. I wish I could stop pretending and be real with these guys. I can't. There's no way. They'll question my judgment. I'll lose all credibility. They'll respect me less. I'd respect me less. What's worse, to be vulnerable and risk appearing weak or keep carrying the burden of the secret alone? The moment of truth. How long can Adam, I... Adam, you're up, man. What's going on in your life? Now... Once you've admitted the struggle to yourself, to God, and to others, the next thing is to identify the lie you're believing, the lie at the core that's seducing you. You can't just deal with a surface issue. 
You have to attack the root. Go below the surface. If you just cut the weeds, they'll grow back. To kill the weeds, you have to take out their roots. Now remember the roots or the deep idols we've been talking about. Control, significance, and comfort. These are the three deep idols of the heart whose lies are at the root of every manhood trap. They promise us happiness, but their promises never deliver. For many of you, your idols have just jumped out as you've listened to us explain them and the lies they tell. They're obvious. But you know, some of us may need to do some more work. So use the diagnostic questions from session one in your training guide. Answering them can help you begin the process of connecting your behaviors with the real issues of your heart. And don't rush through the questions. Be completely honest with yourself. This process will allow you to move forward to the next step with hope because now you're starting to get a clear understanding of the root issue. Once you've identified your idols and their lies, the next step is to replace them with something better, something that is proven and reliable and comes through. Replace your idols with the truth. First, in the truth that, that's in Jesus, in His gift of salvation for us, and then in the more satisfying promises of Scripture. And to begin, you must believe the truth that Jesus has already paid the price for all of your sins, all of your idols. That's relying on His gift of salvation. It's the key reality of grace that we discussed in session one. You know, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, our, our idols, that God made us alive together with Christ. When you believe with all your heart in the grace of Jesus, then your bad performance cannot make God love you any less. And your good performance cannot make God love you any more. So whether you're in the midst of stumbling or you feel like you're a pretty moral guy, hey, God's love for you doesn't change. Hey, don't miss this. God's grace is the most powerful thing in the universe. If you don't get this, you'll constantly be performing to try to win God's approval. But when you embrace this truth, then you can rest in the strength of His grace. It's Christ's performance, not your performance. That's the only thing that matters in God's eyes. So when temptation wins, and you're wallowing in the consequences of all the lies you believed, Guys, you can get right back up and you can run to the true source of our hope and our fulfillment. That's the grace and truth of Jesus. You can rely upon Jesus' gift. Can you see it? We replace our idols by replacing the lies that we believed with the truth and power of grace offered in Christ. We also replace idol lies with truth that's offered in God's Word. Romans 12.2 makes it clear that true life change begins with the renewing of our minds. You see, a new life requires a new way of thinking. We replace idle lies by filling our minds with the truth of God's Word. Jesus has given us a great example of how to do this. 
during His 33 years on earth, He was tempted just like us. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we read that He was tempted in every way that we are, but He didn't give in to the lies. Thankfully, and for our benefit, the Bible records a specific instance when Jesus was tempted, and it shows us how He dealt with temptation. In chapter 4 of Matthew, we learn that just like Adam in the Garden of Eden, Jesus was tempted by the great liar himself, Satan. At the beginning of his ministry, while he was spending time in solitude with God, Matthew tells us the tempter came. That's what Satan is called in the book of Matthew, the tempter. But in the book of John, we learn that Satan is also the father of lies. He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. He suggested that happiness could be found apart from God in his pathways. And Satan also lied to Jesus. The first way Satan tempted Jesus was with the deep idol of comfort. In Matthew 4.3, Satan leads with this. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, so obviously he was hungry. But he turns to the more satisfying promises of Scripture. And here we see him in action, renewing his mind. Jesus responds to Satan in verse 4 by quoting Deuteronomy. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Next, Satan uses the deep idol of significance. He takes Jesus to the Temple Mount. He tries a different approach. In verse 6, he tells Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, Satan begins quoting Scripture, but you know he's twisting it to support his lie. He's telling Jesus to prove His significance through this feat of power, through His performance, to jump off the building to prove that He is God. But how does Jesus respond? Well, again, He replaces the lie with truth and the power of Scripture. He fires back at Satan in verse 7 with this, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, Satan's last resort is to appeal to the deep idol of control. He takes Jesus to what the Bible describes as a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And then he says this to Jesus, All these I will give you, all the kingdoms of the world, if you fall down and worship me. You see, Satan is offering Jesus power and authority, control over all the world. And again, Jesus appeals to the truth in Scripture. He ends his confrontation with the father of lies in verse 10 with this reply, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. So, what was the strategy that Jesus used in battling Satan and idols? It's pretty clear, isn't it? He relied upon God's truth in Scripture. He turned to the more satisfying promises that he knew to be true and real. He used that to repel all the lies. John Piper summarizes that battle this way. He says, Our chief enemy is the lie that says sin will make our future happier. Our chief weapon is the truth that says God will make our future happier. When my thirst for joy and meaning and passion 
are satisfied by the presence and promises of Christ, then the power of sin is broken. We do not yield to the offer of sandwich meat when we can smell the steak sizzling on the grill. (laughs) You know, we can replace that cheap, processed sandwich meat of traps and idols with the finest prime rib. God's promises. His pathways. We can trust in Jesus' gift of grace, and we can follow His example. We can run with all our heart to the promises and pathways He offers in Scripture. And as we do that more and more, we discover they're real and they're better. Let me give you some examples. The idol of control says that happiness comes when you're running the show when you have security or power. But what does the Bible say? Here's the truth to replace the lie, to renew your mind. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, to trust and to not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The idol of comfort says, That happiness comes when life is easy or when I'm consuming. But the truth of the Scriptures places lasting happiness not in immediate gratification, but in self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. The book of Hebrews tells us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before Him endured the cross. Jesus chose suffering over comfort in order to bless others. And did you see his motivation? It says it was the joy that was before him. So Jesus didn't do it only for duty's sake or without his own joy in mind. He was motivated to give up comfort by the promise of a more satisfying future, both for us and for himself. He replaced the lie with what he knew to be the truth. Hey guys, there's more guidance and examples to help you fight the battle in your training guide. So check out the feature that provides truth that will help you fight specific idols. Idols common to many. Guys, you know, this is this is so profound. You know, we we have to realize that God's word, word is true, right? And when we realize God's word is true and what he has said and what he has promises, I mean, you're talking about total fulfillment of life. We can't really get life a better life than he has promised. <laughs> he, matter of fact, he said, he said, you can't even imagine, you can't even think of how good he wants to bless us. He says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, it haven't even entered into the heart of man, the good things that God has prepared for those that love him. He says, but he's revealing it by his spirit for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And you know what? You got to realize that God's word is truth. Okay. And then you have to lay hold of God's promises. And then when the enemy comes, because he's going to come, I don't even like to call his name. I call him whatchamacallit. When whatchamacallit comes, you have to be ready to defend. You have to be ready to fight. And the only the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we have to use the word of God against the enemy of our soul. And so we don't believe the lie and we can relish in the truth. We can love the truth. We can um, expect the truth in our lives. We, we can believe God to do extraordinary, extraordinary things in our lives. And so that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm believing God to do extraordinary things in my life. And so I have to battle I have to battle lust. I have to battle um, control and comfort as, as they're talking about. I have to battle it with the truth. And that truth will set you free. Let's continue. Amen. Now, let's review the ground we've covered today. We learn that God is for, not against, our true happiness. And we learn that to overcome idolatry, we can't just remove an idol. We have to replace it with something more satisfying and fulfilling. We gave you a three-step process to do this. Admit the struggle. Identify the lie. Replace with the truth. You see, we have to fight fire with fire. In Christ, we have promises that are more satisfying. Promises we can trust. Promises we can use to fight back and win. In session one... We gave you a framework for understanding your struggles better, a framework of idolatry. And now we've given you a biblical process, a battle plan to guide you in fighting idols and traps, to replace them with the vision for something better. In the next three sessions, we want to come back to the surface and talk directly about some of the most common manhood struggles, struggles like pornography, anxiety, and the fear of man. Now, these are traps that can ensnare any one of us. And we'll apply our battle plan and give you some practical ideas to help you deal with the issues affecting you in your day-to-day -day fight. Things begin to fall apart as we slowly begin to take control. And I'm leading, I'm leading, I'm leading, I'm ministering, I'm ministering, I'm ministering. I'm pouring everything I can into this ministry. And I felt like everything was going completely perfect in my life. Next thing I know, I start getting completely dizzy. I start almost blacking out. And so as this anxiety began to creep into my life, I did not put two and two together and realize I am pushing too hard on my own. The lie that I was believing was that I could control my healing. The lie that I was believing was that I could actually control this anxiety and depression on my own. But the truth was, the moment I began to admit it, the moment I began to share it, was the moment that I found freedom in it. A couple years back, I realized that our, uh, our quaint little family tradition and our good time together of, of peace and relaxation had morphed into more of an idol. And it's gone from what is just a, a healthy sort of reflective uh, family exercise, a, a healthy time of, of hitting the pause button on life um, to, to a bit of an obsession. Some of the surface idols that, that crop up whenever I realize that this is, this is transferred from a good thing uh, to a bad thing is that whenever, whenever I'm despondent after a loss and um, 
I'm thinking about uh, how these 18 to 20 year olds or whatever the age may, they may be have, um, have made decisions that have affected my life. And so the false savior then begins to be the, the football team that if they win, uh, they're getting me out of my false hell and keeping me in my false heaven. So she attacked my, me and the company and everything I was doing. It's, you know, at a core, it hit me, it hurt me because to me, my job and what I was doing and all the adoration coming towards it because of the role I had was giving me significance. I was dying for that. I needed that. That was my drug. At the top of that, I'm realizing, you know what? I need more significance. Unfortunately for me, what that came in the shape of a, a young, beautiful woman that worked for me. She uh, laughed at my jokes, made me feel special, told me how great I was. I'll tell you what, it was a perfect layup because I fell right for it. Next thing I know, I was having an affair. That being said, one day, I, uh, on a flight to a conference, I sent an email to my mistress girlfriend. Unfortunately, that email somehow got into my wife's inbox. She at that point informs me that she's forwarded that email to my bosses. Now, they could have looked the other way. I was making them a lot of money. But instead, it stuck to their values, and it said, I have to go. I lost my job. To wake up in the morning, have nothing to do, I felt empty. I needed something. I was hungry for something else. And I was just so resentful for not having it anymore. The battle plan. Admit the struggle, identify the lie, and then replace with the truth. Man, we need to make this battle plan part of our new mentality, how we think. Because guys, we can apply it to anything that we find is an idol in our lives. Replacing our idols with God's truth puts us on the path of authentic manhood. Now you'll find in our training guide and our website, authenticmanhood.com, that we've listed a number of verses from scripture that will help you to begin renewing your mind and replacing any number of idols that you may have identified in your own life. Some are chosen because they can help fight specific idols like greed, sexual lust, and control. If you commit to memorizing just one of these verses a month, you'll be well on your way to building an arsenal of truth against any idol that's in your way. I have tried and failed to fight these traps on my own, but it is only through the power of God that we can successfully battle these idols. One of the verses that speaks to me is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So in those times when I find myself struggling with significance, I have to trust that verse and make every thought obedient to him. We must battle well, and his word is the key to the battle.
We're going to confront the issue of sexual temptation. We're talking about internet pornography. So how do we break free from this struggle? A brain, no matter whose brain it is, is susceptible to the reward center, the pleasure center being activated. When you go against the plan of God in anything, you cannot win. Uh, it's a struggle, but God has given me so much victory. Guys, exposing our brain to pornography is like exposing gasoline to a spark. The Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Truly, um, it's it's time. It's time. I don't know. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you are in your life. But when you can get to a point where mediocre mediocrity won't do. You gotta you there must be something better. <laughs> Have you ever said that? There there must be something better to life than this, you know, and God promises that better life. And the word of God is so powerful. It is so it is so real. It is it's everything that we will ever need. And so, you know, as we go through this and we're starting to learn scriptures and we're starting to learn the truth and allowing that truth to be our weapon to be our sword. That's what the Bible calls it, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We allow that to cut down things that um, are preventing us for true happiness, from, from true joy. It's preventing us from reaching that plateau that God has for us. You know, I, I'm, I'm just sold out on God's love for me. <laughs> I encourage others to do the same, but I'm truly sold out on God's love for me. And because I know he loves me without a shadow of a doubt, and he knows all about me, he knows my hiccups, he knows my mistakes, he knows, but he's still just crazy about me. That keeps me motivated. That keeps me going. That, that keeps me in the fight, right? And so I got God's word down in my belly because I've been um, in this race for a while now, but I've also been constantly giving to others. And so as I give to God's people, God always gives me more. And so uh, I'm committed to uh, helping you grow as a man, as I grow as a man. And men in your life, we can get together and we can do something extraordinary for God and please ourselves in the, in the process and, and have fulfillment in the process and have meaning and purpose in the process. Hey guys, this is just Antoine. I'm excited to get growing. I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.